Hi everyone! Welcome back to the living world. Hope you guys are all doing well. For some reason today the sound is very loud in the headphones I'm wearing. So if I talk a little bit quieter today, that is why. I hope you guys are doing well. It is now November, so I don't know how you feel about that, but for me it's kind of weird that it's, you know, like not Halloween anymore. I'm like, what? What literally happened to like the last month? What literally happened to this semester? We're in week nine now, guys. Like, when did, when, someone tell me when that happened. I just, oh God. I'm, I'm kind of in shock, honestly. <laughs> and it's week nine for me. So um, being a biology student taking a practical course, that means I have labs like all week on top of the labs I'm doing for my dissertation. Woo-hoo-hoo. On one hand, I'm super happy about it. On the other hand, I'm like, oh my god, they're never going to end. But for those of you who were not in the lab all day today, like me, um, and who might have had some time to go outside, I hope you did, because the weather was really nice. And yes, now I'm talking about the weather. Uh, fun. I fully converted now, talking about the weather classes yada yada but anyways the weather was really really nice and um apparently there were these birds called wax wings outside of the uh bio biological sciences building the bsrc where i work in the lab all the time and apparently these birds are rare in the U in the uk and i was like what because like one of my um one of the people that works in my lab uh, his name is Dan. Hi, Dan. He very much likes um, birds, or at least these waxwings. And I didn't know this, but apparently they come here over the winter from Scandinavia. Now, my question is, where in Scandinavia? Because I would love to know, like, what if what if they're native to Finland? That would be sick. I was there last, last year when I studied abroad. Uh, that would have been cool. But yeah, I looked these guys up and they, they look really snazzy. Like they got like this like little like feather mohawk thing and like colors and, and stuff. And so, yeah, needless to say, there were some um, photographers outside the BSRC at this one tree and they were taking photos of these wax wings and it like made it look like they were famous or something getting a little like photo shoot i was like oh my god these birds are famous what the heck um and one more aside about the weather as well the sunset was really nice did it suck that the sun went down at four like four fifteen? yes yes it did but was it super super pretty because it wasn't raining at all today and it was actually sunny and you could see the sun and it made me so happy I was in shock, man. Watching this, I, I I made myself leave the library like 4.15 today. I was like, okay, Julia, you're going to look at the weather and you're going to enjoy the weather because it's almost winter now and I'm not ready. No one's ever ready, but especially here. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go look at this, this sunset. It's going to be gorgeous. It's going to be majestic. And guess what? It was majestic. I was like, yes, the sunset. Yes. It was so, it was so, it was so nice. Like, oh, I hope you guys were able to get out and see it. Or at least, like, see it from a window. Um, like, I was. <clears throat> but it, it was, it was really nice. It was really nice. Uh, though, for some reason, I saw some guys coming out of Castle Sands who had been swimming. They were wearing flip-flops and sandals and towels. 
I was like, dang, how do you swim? How do you swim in this? It's November. It's freezing. I mean, yeah, today it was warm, but warm being like 51. I, oh, shoot. I don't know. I don't know what that is in Celsius yet. I know I'm kind of bad, but there were some guys apparently swimming today. I, I don't know how they do it or how they did it. I'm in shock. I'm honestly in shock. I'm like, guys, what are you doing? I, oh, God. Oh, man, that was nuts. But anyways, I'm done talking about the weather, I think. Um, yes. Uh, anyways, uh, for those of you who uh, were listening in last week, I hope you enjoyed my halloween episode. I had a fun time with that, talking about spiders and dead spiders and zombie spiders and all the different ways you can talk about something that's dead. Um, that makes me sound a bit uh, morbid, but I guess I maybe am a little morbid, maybe. I don't quite, I don't know, I don't know, but, you know, I'm still figuring myself out half the time. But, yes, uh, hope you guys enjoyed that, that episode last week. I think you guys will find this one amusing. I will say I did, again, do it to a theme. Um, you want to know what theme? Uh, heart research. You'll want to know why, uh, because I actually started, it's, it's, the reason why is because I actually just started uh, volunteering at the British Heart Foundation uh, here in St. Andrews. It's one of the, like, three, four secondhand shops in town, you know, where they sell, like, clothes and they're really cheap. And I'm like, yes, cheap clothes. But they're also apparently, like, uh, a charity. So, like, any of the money you spend goes towards funding research. And the research that the British Heart Foundation funds is heart research. So I thought... Uh, what better thing to talk about this week than some heart stuff? Because I am now kind of sort of in that field a little bit. Even though my, my, my job there as a volunteer is to run the cash register and sell stuff to people, I, I find it fun. It's fun. So yeah, any of you guys are tuning in and you didn't know I was volunteering at the British Heart Foundation, please come say hi. Uh, I go in every Saturday from like... Uh, when they open, which is like 9.30 to like 1. So, yes, please come say hi. I am around. Um, it's fun most of the time, but sometimes it gets kind of slow. And it's always nice seeing people I recognize and being like, hello. And and I get to treat them like a customer. And, and, and it's fun. It's like it's like weird, you know. It, I don't know if any of you have worked in retail or customer service or hospitality where you have to like put on the whole like, uh, what's it? The uh, customer service voice. Yes, yes. I, I, I do that. I do that a little bit for this show, too. Like a radio show voice. Like, if I was doing this in um, my normal voice where I'm not, like, energized and stuff, I would sound um, different. Uh, and I guess that's kind of true for when I volunteer at um, BHF, British Heart Foundation, is I kind of have this, like, uh, customer service voice. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of have to have that. You know, we're always like, hello, how are you doing? Hope you're having a great day. Would you like to buy this thing? Do you want to receive with that? Would you like change? Do you want to donate this change to our charity? Et cetera, et cetera. Because that, that's what I mean. If, you, if, if, if none of you guys have heard the customer service voice before, that's, that's what I mean. And I have one of those now. And it's weird. But it's also cool. Because I get to flex on everyone and be like, ha I have a customer service voice in your face. <laughs> no, but it's fun. Anyways, I said this week's episode was themed to heart research because of the stuff I just talked about where I volunteer. Woot. Uh, what will I be talking about? And where is the cool stuff that I'm talking about coming from? Because I'm sure you guys tune in every week and you're like, 
Julia, stop rambling. Get to the point. But I'm like, no, rambling is fun. That's why I do this show half the time is one, connections. Two, rambling. Three, I guess after rambling would be, you know, educating. But two is rambling because it's fun and I and I enjoy it. Especially when I can just keep going and there's no one to object that I keep going on and on and on because I'm the only one here and it's and it's fun and it's and it's dark and there's a disco light but in the studio right now but yes it's fun anyways I will stop rambling uh what am I looking at this week and where is that research coming from so um those of you who are familiar with the like fancy schmancy schools I am going back to the U.S. again because of course the U.S is where I go back to again. You know, I could stick to UK schools, but there's, I don't, I don't know. There's also a lot of schools in the US. I don't know. I keep forgetting that sometimes. I keep thinking, you know, the US is a small country, but it's not. I mean, I, I guess in some ways it's not. In other ways it is. But in terms of the number of colleges and universities, there's a ton. I think I read somewhere saying there's like thousands or something. So I guess it kind of makes sense if you think about it statistically, why I keep going back to the U.S. because if we have thousands of universities, right, then that would just mean I could literally spend, I could have spent all four of my years on the show talking about U.S. schools. But luckily, I didn't do that. And this is about global biology research, right? So I don't want to do that. But anyways, um, <clears throat> the school that I'm looking at this week is a U.S. school, if you haven't already guessed. Um, which school is it? Uh, it is da -da -da -da, Stanford, because apparently I haven't talked about Stanford research yet. You know, you, you think that would have been like, you know, item number one is like do all the IVs or whatever. But, you know, I don't want to be that person who's just focused on the IVs, right? I want to like focus on the little, like the little schools that no one's like heard of, you know, right? Like when I talked about like two weeks ago about the ethics stuff in the octopus that was from University of University of uh, Lethbridge in Canada, right? No, no one's really heard of that. So, you know, part of my reason in there. Anyways, I'm talking about this really cool um, research going on at Stanford. Now, technically, it's not exactly gone on yet because it's it's actually a, like a research proposal. So um, I'm talking about some research uh, from Stanford where they're actually... Uh, trying to 3D print a human heart and then put it into a pig, which is whack and kind of heart related. But the reason why I said this hasn't been done yet is because um, this is a study proposal that was just proposed by Stanford that just got awarded a bunch of funding. So uh, this um, study specifically is about putting is about 3D printing that human heart and putting it into a pig. But they just proposed it this year, 2023, and the grant they got uh, gives them five years to do this. So until 2028. So this research hasn't happened. But I'm going to be talking about the research proposal and the funding agency that provided the insane amount of money that you would need to do this, if this is even possible. Now, number one. Um, who exactly are the people that propose this, like, kind of whack sci-fi plan here, right? 3D printing a heart and putting it into a pig. So as I said, this is coming out of Stanford. 
uh, Stanford's fancy, and I've never been there, but my friend Jasmine, uh, hi Jasmine, from um, high school where I went to school and I went to high school in Ohio at this uh, really fun boarding school called uh, Western Reserve Academy. Woo, 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 shout out. Uh, my my classmate Jasmine actually goes to Stanford right now. So I just, I just, just a little shout out there for someone who has actually been there. Um, and for those of you who might have visited Stanford, um, let me know how it is. It looks really cool. I love all the photos, but I've never been there. So yeah, anyways. Who are the researchers involved in this um, research plan that they just got awarded this big grant for? So apparently this big team at Stanford is led by this this guy called Dr. Mark Schuyler Scott. I'm like, okay, you're fancy. You have a hyphenated last name. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that that is cool. And uh, hyphenated, hyphenated last names are cool. Like sometimes I'm like, ooh, what, what would my hyphenated last name be? I guess if you can if you combined my my parents' original last names, mainly my mom's before she got married, um, it would be probably Ashley Wittenbrook or Wittenbrook Ashley. I don't know, but it, I feel like you know sometimes it would be cool to have a hyphenated last name. I don't know, but yes, this guy uh, Mark Schuyler Scott, he's the the lead researcher, the PI principal investigator, which is used a lot um, for big research teams because the PI gets all the credit and they're super cool normally <laughs> most of the time most of the time they're pretty cool and yeah this guy he see I looked up his bio on Stanford he seems pretty cool he's got all these patents for a bio printing which makes sense if you're the guy leading a project to 3d print a human heart and put it in a pig um, he's actively doing research publications and he's also on some advisory boards and yes, this is, I think, the first time I've actually talked about a researcher in a study on the show before. I've never really done that before, so I guess that's something new. So there you go. You guys who tuned in, you got a new thing today. Me talking about a researcher. Instead of just saying, researcher from XYZ, you got to hear about a little bit about their professional background. So hope you enjoyed that. It was very fun to talk about. Anyways. Uh, that's the main guy leading this group. I didn't quite figure out how many people were in this group, but the news publications where I got this from, like, they have this whole big one on Stanford's website, because of course they do. It's this giant project. You want to know how much they got awarded to do this project where they 3D print a, a heart and put in a pig? They got $26.3 million. Like, think about that. That's a ton. But then you put that in the perspective of scientific research. And it can be expensive. I mean, you, you break that down into a year-by-year -year basis. Say you get you get five years to do this. You get you start with twenty six point three million. You divide that by five. That's about five million a year. I don't know how much lab consumables cost most of the time, and you'd have to assume they already have the lab equipment. Because if you got awarded twenty six point three million and you had to spend all of it on lab equipment, <laughs> you'd be in a pickle. Lab machines are expensive, man. I looked up this one I was using for my dissertation once because I, I wanted to, you know, like see the instructions. And it said something like 25, 25K, 25,000 pounds. I'm like, what the heck? This little machine here is 25,000 pounds. I'm like, oh, my God. So just think about that. If you're if, if you if you weren't Stanford and you didn't have the background and the and the resources and you got the twenty six point three million dollar grant from the government and you had to buy all of your own lab equipment, that would really put you in a pickle. 
but uh, they got this $26.3 million from this federal agency called ARPA-H, which stands for, because it's always an acronym with the government, apparently stands for Advanced Research Project, Projects Agency for Health. And I'll talk about this funding agency later, but that's just a bit of a background. And I said they recently got this funding. So according to the briefings I've read on this new project, they these researchers at Stanford, led by Dr. Skyler Scott, they got this grant only in September. So very, very new. It's only been two months. If I had done this episode last week, it would have only been a month. You know, crazy, crazy how time passes half the time. I'm like, what, 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 what is going on here? But yes, uh, so anyways, that's a bit of a background on this um, study. Now, I mentioned a few uh, cool things. Like, number one, they're 3D printing a heart. How does that work? What is that? So, 3D printing hearts... 3D printing organs is something um, that the scientists like to call bioprinting. So what is bioprinting and how long has it been around? Because that's what Stanford's doing basically with their $26.3 million grant spread out over five years is they are looking at bioprinting a human heart. So So bioprinting is a technology where you have two types of materials. You have either a bioink or a biomaterial. And these are materials that are um, made up of different types of cells and they're, they're mixed in with cells. And um, apparently somehow we figured out that you're able to 3D print these to construct living tissues. So think about a 3D printer, right? Like typically they use, I think, what's it? Plastic, molten plastic. Yeah, because I've I've seen three D printers before, you know, where like they make they they can make like a ball or um, like um, a building or anything, you know. You just you design the model in like a a three D um, system like CAD. I'm, I I use CAD a bit um, when I was at Western Reserve Academy. They had three D printers and it was very snazzy. But uh, yes. Um, so that's typical 3D printing where you use plastic, but this bioprinting tech is whack because they're using living things to make living tissues and like organs, like legit, legit people are making organs with this stuff. Like it's insane. It's insane. Now I forgot to check when bioprinting first actually came about, but I'm sure because the name of it in general sounds whack and sci-fi it hasn't been around that long i mean just there's been so many advancements in science recently it's just like you you just you read about this thing you think oh they they developed it 20 years ago nope they developed it five years ago what five years ago so i think bioprinting's probably been around longer than five years i'm just gonna i'm gonna bet it's 20 years and then I'm, i'm gonna check it and i'm gonna and i'm gonna let you guys know next episode how long bioprinting has been around so an incentive for you to tune in to figure out how long bioprinting has been around, when it was established, and who established it primarily. I'm sure it was a big group of people because that's how science is a lot of the time. You have a big group of people that establish things. But just a bit of incentive for you guys in case uh, you were not sure if you were going to try to tune in next week. Tune in next week. You'll want to hear about bioprinting again. I'm sure you will. I'm really sure you will. Anyways, 
I said that bioprinting um, is using living cells to make living tissues in 3D, 3D objects. So how does that process work? So I, 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 I touched on it a tad when I was talking about typical 3D printing where you use, you use plastic and you, um, they, they like ex it extrudes it. That's what they calls it calls it it calls it extruding. <laughs> funny, funny, right? <laughs> but yes, um, it follows the same process as a uh, normal three D printing. This this three D bioprinting thing. It follows the same process except you're using living cells here, and uh, biomaterials and bio inks and all that. But the primary thing that three D bioprinting does is it follows this process called additive manufacturing which is the same thing that normal 3D printing does. And this is where you take a digital file and you use that digital file as a blueprint that the printer follows to print out an object. And you do this by adding a layer on top of a layer on top of a layer on top of a layer. And this is in its whole nature, sense, term, whatever. This whole thing is called additive manufacturing. So you're doing it not with plastic, but you're doing it with cells. I'm like, I would love to watch a, a bioprinter. Like, I feel like that would just be so cool. I'm sure there aren't very many of them, but I, th I would enjoy, I think, watching one. But what are some of the applications of this bioprinting? Because I said that this study that Stanford's doing is looking at printing a heart. What's some of the stuff that's been actually done? <laughs> that's not just been proposed and given a grant this year and given five years to do it. What's been done with it so far? So um, there's actually been a lot of benefits and really cool applications of bioprinting. Uh, some of the ones that you guys may or may not know of is um, the work right now of just generally printing, <clears throat> excuse me, printing organs. Um, I don't, um, did I check? I don't, I don't think I checked if any <laughs> any organs have been successfully printed, but there, there's there been work to like print like tiny versions of the organs. I don't know, but it's pretty, it's pretty whack to just say, print me an organ and you know, you could hypothetically do it. But some of the stuff that has been done that's similar to printing organs is actually like, I don't know if you guys have seen like, maybe just, maybe just pictures uh, I think maybe or, or or articles if you're like really into that I don't know maybe um, where they've actually I do believe they've 3d printed ears ears man ears like what who came up with that who came up with the like file that's just like okay this file here this will print you an ear da, 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 an ear oh my god like that's insane but yes no apparently that's happened there have been 3D printed ears and then they've, they've given them to people and they, and they work. Or at least I don't think it would work like an ear like you'd be able to hear, but at least like say if you lost your ear somehow, your outer ear, I, 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 I correct myself, it, 3D printing outer ears, if you lost that for some reason or, for, or somehow you were born without it, say you could just go into the doctor one day and be like, yo, my doc, my dude, Doctor, whoever, um, I'm missing my outer ear. Would you please give me one? And they'll be like, yes, patient, we will, we will bioprint you an ear and it will take uh, six to eight business, business weeks. Like, whoa, that's crazy, right? That's just crazy. <laughs> that's insane, man. I'm like, geez. Okay, 
So that's some of the applications. Ooh, another application I forgot to mention is uh, apparently using it for drug discovery. Because apparently, in it, it seems in everything I've talked about so far, there's always an application where they mention drug discovery. And I'm like, ooh, drug discovery, man. Flippin' whack. But no, apparently there has... There's, a, there's applications where you use bioprinting for drug discovery. Apparently, it's to um, it's it's used to make personalized tissues that you then use to test the drugs on. And the reason that this has become an application is it's to help avoid the avoid using like avoid using animal testing. So instead of like animal testing, you could just print the tissue you want and then use it that way. I'm sure there, then there's a whole bunch of like considerations, ethics, etc., in there, and I could do a whole episode about the ethics of bioprinting and just printing cells and living things in general. But I won't. But needless to say, there is an area where that could just be a whole debate for hours. <laughs> so I won't go into that. But I, I mentioned a little bit about the process of this bioprinting and that you have to have a um, excuse me a specific uh design like um what was it model like digital file thing there there it was digital file you have to have a specific digital file and it needs to be the right type of file that's read by a specific type of printer uh in this case you would have to have the printer print cells and i'm really curious like how it would do that like and now i want to see what an actual cell printer looks like like Man, just 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 cart me on down to what who would probably because I don't I don't think we have one. If we did, I feel like I would know about it, but I don't think we do. But hey, you know I could go to Stanford. I am talking about Stanford here. I mean, hey Stanford, just uh, give me a plane ticket, please. That would be great. Thank you. I'd love to see your cell printer. It would be amazing. It it really would honestly be amazing. I'd be like, oh my god, they're printing cells. How do they keep the cells like sterile, right? Because a lot of the stuff I do for my dissertation is all about keeping the cells, like, keeping them sterile, keeping them from getting infected. You have to work in a very clean environment. And with the cell printer, I'm, I'm really curious how they keep that thing clean. Like, what do they do? Like, how does it work? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever know. But needless to say, <laughs> bioprinting looks really sick. It sounds really sick. It's like 3D printing on steroids. And it's like the tissue culture and the cell growing that I do for my dissertation, but like times 50, <laughs> probably more like times like 5,000, because <laughs> then you're actually making a functioning organ out of it, or at least trying to. But needless to say, bioprinting, man, it's flipping sick. Like, what the heck? But yes, uh, needless to say, if you guys liked hearing about bioprinting and you want to hear about its history, tune in next week. Or if you just want to hear more applications of some crazy biotech stuff, uh, tune in next week. That would be great. That would be great. Thank you very much. Anyways, uh, back to this study that these cool guys at Stanford are doing. So I did say, as I've said multiple times, the aim of this study that they got this $26.3 million grant for is to 3D print a human heart and put it in a pig. And the reason why, probably organ transplants, I think, I think. Organ trans, I, I think. It's like, it's like, it's probably that. It's also probably like, like just for health stuff, you know, because like having a, having a heart that's like a model heart that you can study 
like that's not having to like cut someone open and study their heart right like that that would be pretty nice right i'm like that's pretty good i'm like wow great awesome amazing you know i'm like cool cool so anyways i said that um these researchers that was their plan for their study is to 3d print that heart and stick in a pig um it sounds a little creepy definitely sounds a bit sci-fi but that's a lot of bio stuff sometimes it's a, it's a wee bit sci-fi there now i'm saying we god you can tell i'm converting because i've been here in scotland too long i'm saying we i'm like geez <laughs> it's fun though Tr try saying we for anything that would normally you'd say like small like oh there's a really small cat just say we cat it just sounds cuter right i'm like now I can say I'm cuter because I say we instead of small, and I say bin instead of trash can, and I say flat instead of apartment. I don't, I don't know if flat makes me sound cute, but saying we does, so woot. There we go. Anyways, back on topic. <laughs> Again, as you can clearly tell, I get sidetracked very easily. But uh, as I said, the aim of this study was to uh, look at 3D printing a human heart and putting it into a pig. So, it's not just 3D printing a heart and putting it into a pig. Apparently, according to these researchers, and probably because they're Stanford, maybe just a little bit, just a little bit, their aim is to not only 3D print a heart and put it in a pig, their aim is to 3D print a heart using bioprinting. And they, they're, they're trying to print a fully functioning heart and then put it into a living pig in five years so they're trying to print a heart not only get that heart to work but put in another animal organism and expect it to work like that's pretty ambitious for five years i'm like it would it's ambitious enough to print like a heart <laughs> just saying that print a heart just print a heart like geez man but to, to, to not just print the heart, but to make sure the heart, number one, works, like, by itself. Then, number two, works in another organism. Like, what the heck? Jeez. Uh, really, 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 really ambitious. Um, and the reason that these researchers are doing this is, one, to do it, say, we printed a heart. Da, 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 da. I'm sure Glory's in there for sure. But, two, is to really test and push and see how well our progress with bioprinting has come. And if we're able to print a human organ that actually works. Uh, so why, why, has this, why is this such a big deal? Beside the fact that they're trying to print a heart that works. So the big thing on this and why it's such a big deal besides the fact that you're printing a heart that actually works is because it's... It's, it's like, number one, it's the achievement of, like, a dream of probably thousands of people. The people that came up with the field of bioprinting. The field of bioprinting that I will be talking a tad bit more about next week when I talk about its origins a tad. It, it, this, like, project would be the achievement I'm of, I'm sure, like, so many goals and, like, a combo of technology and science together. And it would just be insane not only for science and tech, but for medicine. Like, my medics, man. Any of you guys, if you're listening, this could be your future. Maybe. In 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 five or ten years, maybe. You know? Who knows? 
just just walk into walk into hospital or whatever and 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 you're like show me the bioprinted organ show me the bioprinted heart and you know what if they did that that'd be flipping whack that would be sick i'd be like man what jeez yeah nah it's pretty nuts and another really like cool reason about why this is so big as well is like you're printing an organ Ugh. And what I forgot to mention, uh, pardon that yawn, <laughs> because I'm tired all the time, is that you're printing an organ, and, like, organs, like, organ transplants and things, like, those are really big, too, like, um, like, like my dad always says, because he's a kidney donor and a liver donor, because he's fancy like that. Yay, Dad. Good job, Dad. I love you, Dad. Woot. Shout out. Yay. Uh, anyways, um... <laughs> Organ, organ donation and everything is a really big thing. So if we're able to print our own organs without having to uh, take them from people and give them to other people who need them, that would be great. That would be great. Especially for stuff like hearts, lungs. I guess you probably wouldn't want to give someone someone else's brain, right? I don't, I don't think we can do brain transplants. I don't just even just saying that sound no I don't I scratch that we can't do brain transplants yet but for things like lungs and hearts and organs that you need to live that's really big that that it's just it's just really big and the reason we're able to do all this big stuff now is the technology is is there I I think I hope at least according to this research group they say the technology's there so you know. I gotta believe them, man. I gotta be like, I gotta, I gotta give them a little bit of a benefit of a doubt and be like, okay, you guys are right. I do think the technology is there. Good job. Good for you. Yay. <laughs> uh, and what is this technology? So as I, as I've been talking about already, it's this, the tech of bioprinting in general. But the big thing, as well, and the the hard thing I think that these guys will face probably, is you're not only printing cells, right? But you have to print all the all the stuff that comes with an organ right so like the cells and for the heart it's all about blood right blood and blood vessels and everything i wonder if are they able if they if they bioprint a heart will they bioprint blood or will they just print the tissues and the blood vessels and give it no blood and then give it blood from something else oh Man, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a plan for them to think of if they actually succeed in printing a heart, right? Not being like, where does the blood come from? <laughs> but yes, apparently that's the big step here is we now somehow, some somehow this happened that I was not aware of, but somehow we have the ability to print blood vessels. Like what? Who came up with that? Who developed that? When did that happen? I'm like, man, all this cool, crazy stuff's happening that I don't know about. No one tells me about. But, you know, here I am telling it to you guys. So hope you learn some stuff from this that apparently we're able to not only print tissues, but print, like, blood vessels. That's just, that's just nuts. It's crazy. I mean, this whole idea from these Stanford guys, it's crazy, man, right? But um, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. 
I would say it's a pretty lofty, lofty view to get this done in five years. But hey, they do have twenty six point three million in funding. I'm sure they probably have more funding somewhere too. It's not just this one grant, right? To like do any kind of project, you need not one grant, but like five. Exhibit A, when I was doing iGEM two years ago, uh, we had three grants. <laughs> we had three grants. Yeah, so you can't just do a big project with one grant. So I'm sure these guys, besides their $26.3 million they got from this one specific grant funder, they've got more grants. But, yeah. So, uh, what are some more... Like, what are some more of these specifics of how this how this will work? Like, what have the what has the research team said about this project beside the fact that they're going to print a heart and put in a pig, right? Like, what what are they thinking it's going to look like? I was I was wondering this whole thing when I saw the headline. I was like, well, they're going to print a heart, put in a pig. But yeah, how's that going to work? What? How is that going to work? How is that going to work? That that's the simplest question. And I found it. Luckily, I found it. I found. Uh, what these researchers were saying about how this project was going to work. So I was like, yes, finally, yes. And apparently, according to them, according to them, they're going to use a bank of bioreactors. And I assume these bioreactors are to make the cells, uh, to make all these different kinds of cells. Yes, here, I just said it. They're using a bioreactor to make cells. That's cool. Well, I wonder how those work. I didn't look, but, you know, that might be another thing I talk about for two minutes next week is how a bioreactor works for making cell types. How do you make different cell types? I don't know. Do you harvest them and then grow them? Do you make them yourself? I have no idea. I have no idea. Hey, you know, that could be my next topic is looking all about making different cell types. That would be cool. That that would be cool. Yeah. As you guys can tell, I'm taking suggestions. <laughs> Anyways, uh... These researchers were mentioning those cool bioreactors to make different kinds of cells. I'm like, that makes sense, right? Like, you think about the heart, right? It's not just one type of cell. You've got a bunch of different types of cells. I don't know the different types of cells in the heart. The only one that I do know is, I believe, the cardiomyocyte, I think. I remember learning about uh, heart, what heart muscle cells were called in second year. Uh, I think it was cardio, cardiomyocytes. Someone needs to fact check me there. But, um, so they're number one going to use all these bioreactors, this Stanford team, to make a bunch of different types of cells. And then comes the hard part, the bioprinting, the 3D bioprinting. They, they need to, these, so these researchers will, one, have to make a bunch of different types of cells. Then, two, they're going to have to take all these different cells and somehow, some way, print a heart. Ugh. I'm like, wow, wow, man, how? I, I have no idea how. According to them, they're going to use their bioreactors, which will make all of these different types of heart cells. Uh, according to <laughs> these researchers, some of the heart cells are called ventricular and atrial cardiomyocytes. Oh, would you look at that? I was right. Yeah, yeah, cardiomyocytes, a heart cell. Yes, I was right. Yay. Um... So that's some of the types of cells. <laughs> and um, another type of cell, like other types of cells they're going to look at having to print two and having to make, having to make. I mean, I, who knows where they're going to get them? They have to get them from somewhere. They're going to also use these types of cells um, 
like smooth muscle cells and apparently these ones called nodal cells, which are apparently the pacemaker cells in the heart. So for those of you who may or may not have a artificial pacemaker, you know, the thing that you have to tell TSA about if you go through security, because if you go through the metal detector, it'll beep or it might like mess up your pacemaker's rhythm and then your heart could spasm out. <laughs> that would be very bad. If you if you have an artificial one, great for you. That's cool. I feel like that would be really cool. If you don't, that's what the cells are called. They're called nodal cells. Why they're called that, I have no idea. But that is apparently what they're called. And I'm like, cool. That's cool. Another thing they're going to have to make when they try to print this heart is macrophages. Whoa. And macrophages are involved in the immune system. I know that because I took... Uh, BL3311 last semester, uh, which was cool, but also hard, where we learned about uh, infection and disease. And one of the things we learned about a bit was macrophages. So, uh, apparently, in the heart, macrophages are around to not only help the immune system, but they're also around, apparently, to support tissue development and uh, this the um, blood vessels cells as well. The blood vessels are made up of these cells called endothelial cells. So I didn't know that, that, that macrophages not only are involved in the immune system, but that they support tissue development and blood vessel endothelial cells. I'm like, that. that's pretty cool. It still makes me wonder how these scientists are gonna make all these kinds of cells. And this probably isn't all the types of cells they're gonna need. Like. Okay, you got your ventricular atrial cardiomyocyte, you've got your nodal cells, you got smooth muscle, you got macrophages, right? You think that's that's it? That's only, you know, one, two, three, four, five types of cells, right? To make a heart. No, I'm sure there's way more. There's probably like 20, 30, I don't I don't know, types of cells um, to make the heart. So I gosh, I'm tired today. <laughs> I am really curious how these researchers are going to make all those kinds of cells and like where they're going to get them. I just, I just, I want to be like, I want to go up to them and ask, you know, but they're all the way in Stanford, right? Like that's in California. California's eight hours behind us here in the UK on uh, Greenwich Mean Time. I think that's what it is now, even with daylight savings. But yeah, they're eight hours behind. So I can't exactly hop a plane and go be like, hey guys. Um, how's this going to work? And it's Stanford, so you can't, right, you can't quite just, like, walk in, you know? You probably need, like, an appointment that you book, like, a year in advance. And you have to hope that they let you in. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just stereotyping Stanford a bit. Apologies. But, um, I'm sure. As cool as it would be to talk to these, these researchers, it would be sick. It would be a lot of work, I'm sure. I need a whole PR team, and... You know, I don't know if I have quite the energy to rec recruit myself a PR team right now. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, and anyways, these researchers they 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 go on and on about how they're going to make all these bioreactors to make all these cells, right? And they're not just aspirational. There, they're also saying that they hope that they're able to generate sufficient cells. Uh, the, they're able to generate sufficient cells, so like cells that work, right? But they're not only able to do that, they're hoping that they'll be able to make enough cells to make a heart every two weeks. Yeah, yeah, 
Sure, that's if you can make the heart, right? But wouldn't it be cool if they were actually able to 3D print a heart and then they were actually able to do this? Like, wouldn't it, wouldn't that be so cool? Gosh, I was sorry, I was yawning again. Apologies. <laughs> but it would just be it would just be sick if these researchers were able to do that, right? I'm like, man, that's flipping nuts. That's just crazy. If they're able to print the heart and then they're able to like print a heart every two weeks, like God, oh, they must, they must, if they, if they did that, they would make bank. They would make so much bank, so much. And it would be so, so good. So, so good. So great. God, oh, it would be great. But anyways, while they are pretty lofty there with that goal, um, they, they are realistic. <sighs> Gosh, they are realistic, but, um. They, 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 they say that they're going to need to do a lot of practice and they're going to have to learn all of the rules that come with designing a 3D printed heart and figure out how to do it. So yes, I do not want to be them right now. <laughs> oh, no one has a blueprint for how to print a heart? Go! You guys do it. I found I'm not, I'm sometimes not the best with coming up with new 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 science ideas so i feel like if i was one of the ones in that research team i would be a bit stressed i would definitely be a wee bit stressed yes a wee bit a wee bit stressed i would i would i feel like if i was on that research team you know you start the project right you say you start it like january next year because next year is 2024 and it's just like oh my god what but anyways if i was on their research team and we start next year I feel like, you know, it's, we'd start, right? It'd be like the first few weeks, everyone ha has all this zeal, right? And then I feel like if it was me, because you'd have to come up with all these ideas of how to 3D print a heart, I'd just start having like chronic stress dreams about hearts and stuff. Like, you know, I thought my stress dreams were bad now where it's like, I, I just have stress dreams about like, uh, what was what was my latest one? My latest one was that I was in my flat and everything needed to get electrical testing and I hadn't done it yet. And my my landlord my landlords were coming around and they were like Julia did you do did you do pat testing which is electrical testing I was like no and they're like you're you messed up man you were bad and I'm like ah. or my stress dreams are about I think like tests or um, if I have a, a lab and I didn't prepare for it but if I was a researcher at Stanford on this project to to print heart my stress dreams would be all about hearts man. And then all those like sad breakup songs that you hear about hearts, like um, what's the one? Christina, is it Christina Perry? Yeah, Christina Perry, um, who had the final song in the last Twilight movie, Breaking Dawn Part Two, the the ending epilogue song, where she's it's it's a thousand years, baby, I'll love you for a thousand years. She wrote a song, um, I believe it, I believe it was her. No, 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 never mind. It wasn't her. It was this other lady, Leona Lewis, who wrote the song called Bleeding Love, um, which is on one of the kids' bops CDs that I don't remember which one it is, but I remember listening to it, and it was majestic. She wrote the song called Bleeding Hearts, and it's all about, like, it's it's not about it's not about hearts, like, anatomically. It's about, like, you know, you got, you got broken up with or whatever, but it's still enough about hearts that if it was me on that research team and I was having stress dreams about hearts... I would be having stress dreams about hearts and I would probably in the background be hearing the bleeding love song by Leona Lewis and I would just be sitting there crying. I'm just, I'm now, I'm now trying to imagine what that situation would look like. 
you know? Because I, I have pretty vivid dreams half the time. It's like, they feel real. They feel real. And it's, it's crazy. I don't know. Maybe that's what I do next week, because I talk about dreams and why some people have vivid ones inside and why some people don't. You guys will have to let me know if that would be a good topic for next week. I feel like it would. I feel like that would be interesting. Anyways, <laughs> as lofty and crazy and frankly stress-inducing as this project sounds, it's really cool. And the final takeaway that um, this lead researcher from this team, Dr. Skylar Scott, was saying was that he hopes the end goal is that his team is able to make someone's own heart out of their own cells. And the benefits of this would be for like, as, as I, I mentioned before a little bit, organ transplants. But not in the way that you're thinking of, oh, you need a heart, right? But there's another really big important aspect of organ transplants is you have to, if you're the one who receives the organ, you have to take these things called immuno, immunosuppressant medication medications because the organ that you're receiving is from another person. And no matter how similar like it may be, like you guys have the same blood type, you have the same antibodies, etc., right? It's still not your organ, right? So you have to you have to if you receive an organ from an organ transplant, you have to consistently take immunosuppressant meds. And immunosuppressant meds can put you at more risk for uh, disease. So if you guys remember um I'm sure everyone remembers COVID this point if you, or at least if you're at the point where you're old enough to remember that kind of stuff though it would be kind of weird if like five-year-olds were listening to this that would be that would be interesting hello five-year-olds if anyone is listening who is five years old hello uh, but um being immunosuppressed on immunosuppressant meds if you're an organ uh transplant recipient makes it difficult because you're more susceptible to disease like uh like covid so that was the whole thing before the vaccines came out where they were like, don't don't get COVID if you're immunosuppressed because, yeah, you're immunosuppressed, which means your immune system is weakened. So that that wouldn't help. But that's the goal with this research is to bioprint a heart um, and help with organ donation and just the fact that we want to achieve printing a heart. Like, that's just nuts. I, I really hope that does happen. Uh, another thing I mentioned I was going to talk briefly about was the funding body that gave this $26.3 million to this research group at Stanford. I mentioned that they were called ARPAH, which stands for, again, Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health, because the government loves acronyms. So fun, right? I know. <laughs> they really enjoy them for some reason. I'm like, okay, cool. I get confused <laughs> a little bit, but it is it is kind of cool. <laughs> You sound like you're speaking in code, like you're a fancy secret agent who speaks in code if you, like, work for the government. It's cool. I'm like, that's really cool, guys. Thanks. Uh, anyways, uh, what is ARPAH besides its very long name? <laughs> Apparently, it's a private entity that operates within the NIH, so the National Institutes of Health. <laughs> Shout out to Olivia and my National Institutes of Health episode that I did um before interlearning week hope you guys tuned in for that but apparently this is a new division that operates privately within the nih and it's so new that it was apparently only established in 2022 and it's it's really new it's it's like really new i'm like wow that's that's crazy i thought always like you know government organizations like 
were really were like old and established. I've I've never really I've never really talked about one that's so new. Yeah. It's it's super new. Um established 2022 that rhymes woot woot. <laughs> and uh apparently it was established to help support uh transformative high impact research to drive biomedical and health breakthroughs. So that's pretty cool. I mean, we definitely want biomedical and health breakthroughs, right? And another important role that the ARPAH does, besides um, saying that it supports all these projects, is it's it's a new funder for research projects. So that's how this that's how this organization um, is helping to support all of these new research projects, like the one going on at Stanford, is through funding. So, uh, this organization was established, as I said, in 2022, but the funding for it came apparently from this uh, bill called the um, Omnibus Appropriations Bill, and it was apparently passed by President Biden, and it's, it's, uh, it, it's going to provide, according to, according to, the ARPAH website of uh, 1.5 billion years um, from now till 2025. So that's just needless to say, you, you, you think 26.3 million is a lot of money to fund a, a federal like project. Just think about the budget of the whole federal government funding all research ever. And then my next question is where do we get 1.5 billion dollars? I don't know. No one knows. And I'm not going to talk about it because that's a big thing. You know, the, the U.S. national debt. But I'm not going to talk about that. But it's really, really cool that this government government organization that's so new, it's like literally a year old, is already funding like crazy research like the stuff that Stanford wants to do. I'm like, dang, man. Dang. Uh and this this ARPAH organization, its its role is to not overtake NIH. It's just to help uh, with NIH's investments. And um, apparently, I, I learned that ARPAH doesn't it like it won't have its own research laboratories or facilities. It's just a type of uh, financial organizational structure that that was established to help launch and design and manage all of these new research programs and research projects. So it's basically a new thing that was established to help manage funding and manage projects and manage the approval of research projects and research stuff. So it's pretty cool. And if you guys want to learn more about ARPAH, uh, some of its main goals that it's looking at focusing on include, I got this right off the website, so it's fresh, they include health science futures, scalable solutions, proactive health, and resilient systems. Ooh, fancy, right? That's some good marketing on their part. I'm like, good job, guys. You did good marketing. Success to you. Woot. <laughs> Anyways, ARPAH sounds pretty cool. Um, It's a bit of a mouthful with the acronym, you know, because you can't just like say it abbreviated, right? I mean, you could say ARPA. <laughs> maybe ARPAH. Does that sound better than ARPAH? I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But needless to say, it's really cool that um, this like organization funded this research going on at Stanford. And the research that these 
Stanford scientists are going to do sounds amazing. So I hope I got you guys um, enthused and intrigued about uh, heart research and biology. Um, I, cause I, I know I, I know I was for sure. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed learning about um, this cool research proposal from Stanford and learning about bioprinting and all that cool stuff. And I, I hope you guys enjoyed this this episode this week. I had a fun time. Um, I'll be in next week because uh, it'll be week 10, so it's not quite exams. So I've got a few more episodes left before I stop for the semester. But yes, I'll be in next week with a new episode. We'll see if I talk about dreams or not. I don't know. But yes, hope you guys enjoyed, and I'll see you all next week. Bye!